So first of all, can you introduce yourself for the audience? For sure. How uh, how in detail do you want me to go? One minute or five minutes? Just casual, whatever you want. Yeah. So yeah, th thanks for the invite. Um, appreciate um, yeah being invited on to speak today. So my name is James Morhen, and I'm a performance nutritionist working in professional sport. Um, currently work as a lead nutritionist at Bristol Bears Rugby. So that's a rugby union team in the southwest of England. Um, and then I've also got the contract with England Rugby supporting the uh, women's programme there with the England Rugby Roses. Um, and then outside of that, I also uh, have my own business. Um, I've got my kind of own mentorship programme with young nutritionists and uh, kind of junior nutritionists. And then I've got a um, a couple of combat sport athletes, professional boxers that I look after as well. Uh, so that's me currently right now. And, and prior to that, my journey leading into that was an undergraduate degree at Liverpool John Moores University in sport and exercise science. I then progressed on to the master's in sports physiology, um, again at Liverpool John Moores. And then I, after that, went into my PhD in what was probably sport nutrition and applied physiology with, with body composition change as well. Um, and, and again, that was at LJMU. So kind of that, that was my journey in, in my academic career, really. So you're currently like Pete Burridge's colleague right now? Yeah, I am. I am. I, uh, I work with Pete every single week. Yeah. He's, he's a really good, really good man. Good bloke. Uh, and a great practitioner as well, actually. Nice. Yeah. You know, you know, Pete then? Yeah. I talked to him like a few times before. Class. Nice. Cool. So the first thing I want to ask is like, why is nutrition so important for athletes? Yeah, good, good, uh, good, good global question. So, look, of course, I'm I'm biased. I'm a nutritionist, and and I work with athletes in in this domain. But um, I I genuinely believe nutrition is is one of those areas of sports science that on the, on the day of competition or the the day of a tournament could can genuinely impact the outcome of that performance. So, if if you've got a athlete for whatever reason that has got severe gut problems and their stomach's turned upside down and they're on the toilet before the game or before the match, then you're not going to get the best performance out of that athlete. Likewise, if you've got an athlete that hasn't uh, followed a, an optimal fueling plan in terms of muscle glycogen, skeletal muscle glycogen, then you're not going to get the best performance out of them for 80 or 90 minutes or whether it's, you know, a, a five-set tennis game. So in, in terms of nutrition and performance, it's, it's imperative that they get that right. Um, where, where I educate some of the rugby boys and, and girls now is, is how nutrition can impact a lot more than just that performance on the day of the game, but also training adaptation that they're trying to go through week to week in terms of hypertrophy, strength, power, speed. Me and Pete quite often talk about the, the best speed coaches and nutritionists. Because if I can take a little bit of weight off of that individual and they they keep their their force and power, then they're they're going to carry that momentum. Um, and then alongside that, you've got body composition change, athlete health, travel nutrition, immunity. Um, so kind of the list goes on really in terms of how important nutrition is for for the athlete in terms of their development, adaptation, and performance. Cool. So since we brought up Pete and. He's a great speed coach. 
how exactly is nutrition going to help athletes going to like if they want to get faster? Yeah, so we we quite often talk about um, players presenting themselves as functional as they can. So what I mean by functional is, let's say we've got a 100 kilo rugby player and through body composition assessment or visually looking at that player, um, as a staffing group, we would see that they're probably carrying a little bit of excess fat mass, um, which is not ideal for their position. If, if I can then take two kilos of fat mass off of that individual nutritionally from better behavior change, better habits, and they keep their skeletal muscle mass and therefore they keep their strength, their power, their force, then just by the law of physics, if we've got two kilo less weight to carry, then that individual should have a better 10 meter, 40 meter sprinting time. So in terms of how can nutrition help uh, an athlete get quicker, I, th I guess the short answer would be to make them more functional as a runner from a, a weight and a body mass point of view. And, and that's where we can redefine what that body composition is and, and that functionality of the athlete. I love this. So since if like, if we want to like make our athlete run faster, losing some of their like weight is probably going to be easier. So uh, there's going to be times that athlete wants to lose weight but they probably lose weight like lose weight like too quickly or they're probably just stuck in the weight they can't lose weight so is there a certain way to like successfully lose their weight and being safely yeah well i think every athlete has a different starting position um, everyone weighs a different uh, body mass and, and they will all have different levels of fat mass on, on that individual kind of body. So the starting position is always different. If you've got a larger athlete who's got 25 kilos of fat mass, then, you know, we've got a lot that we can play with straight away. And and you what you might see is that if that individual follows for once in their career, they follow a, a good nutrition plan, they they stay on track their behavior changes a lot better around nutrition and they've got better habits. What you might see actually is that you've got an individual there that's got no problem losing one kilo of fat mass a month or maybe even more. They might start dropping one close to one kilos over seven or 10 days in terms of fat mass because they've got it to lose. So the, the opposite end of the scale is that if you've got a lighter athlete that actually is already quite lean but we identify that there's potentially maybe a kilo of fat mass that could come off. Then, you know, I, I would look at that individual and say, look, we're just going to do this slowly over the next four weeks. We're going to chip away at it very gradually. We're going to bring you into a calorie deficit ever so slightly. And I just want to see that scale dropping down gradually over the next four weeks. And let's have a look whether that then correlates with the fact that you're becoming quicker and your momentum and your ability to generate that speed over 10 and 40 meters is, is improving. And, and if so, then we've got a great outcome to that project. And we are now at Bristol Bears, we're kind of tracking those metrics. So body composition assessment with me and body mass is now tracked alongside counter movement jumps, sprint scores, speed scores, uh, four scores. So it, 
it's not just an isolated body composition measurement. It's now directly reported back to the player in terms of a performance metric. So that that's kind of the the I guess the differences in in terms of the amount of weight that might be lost depending on where the starting point is with the athlete. Cool. So when athletes, especially like athletes in rugby or like football, that kind of sports, when they like lose amount of weight, there's probably gonna be in danger to like some hamstring pull, pull or some muscle injury. So when losing weight, how exactly can we like prevent these kinds of injury? Yeah, I mean, I think from a nutrition point of view, it's just being smart and and strategic about and, and realistic about the amount of weight that we're trying to lose over what period of time. So, I mean, I'm, I'm fortunate to have worked with some brilliant uh, combat sport athletes and boxers. And, and, you know, these guys have got no problems losing 10 kilos in 10 weeks. You know, I've, I've worked with athletes that have lost 17 kilos in 11 weeks with their acute weight loss. So an amazing amount of weight. But I'd never dream of doing that with the rugby players. I, th I think the most weight that I've seen lost over a period of time might be four or five kilos. And um, in, in terms of how do you try and prevent the injury occurring from that, I think it's very difficult to, to do that from a to try and match up the nutritional relationship, weight loss and then potential injury risk. I'm 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 not aware of any kind of literature or research that's looked at that specifically um, to try and answer that question. But the the one thing that we would encourage the athletes to do is is to not do it quickly and to yo-yo round these big weight changes, but to look at it as a gradual progress or a gradual increase or decrease in body mass. Yeah, cool. So. Uh... When, when like working with pro athletes, it's pretty important for them to like be able to like have their like uh, protein like every day. So they probably should have like twice their body weight of like kilogram of protein every day, right? Or twice or more. So how do you like a divide it into like different meals like how many should they be eating per meal yeah so for us working with professional rugby players um we, we would encourage our athletes to work on a bit of a, a bandwidth of 1.6 grams per kilo up to about 2.2 gram per kilo of body mass sometimes that might be higher 2.5 maybe three in in certain situations but Professor Stu Phillips, one of the world leaders in, in this area, would say minimum athletes need to be at 1.6. So that's kind of our bandwidth that we work towards. Um, where it might be different in terms of that upper threshold is recently we had a, a, a complete kind of hamstring rupture at Bristol Bears. And this individual went in for surgery. And my advice to him was, look, come and out of surgery, it's really important that protein goes through the roof. The reason for that is because, one, I want to try and maintain all of the skeletal muscle mass you've got, and we don't want you to lose weight. And secondly, it's really important that we try and support that repair and that recovery, considering that you've just been cut open and sewn back together by, by a surgeon in hospital. So I had him at between 2.5 and 3 gram per kilo of protein over the course of the day. 
And then coming back to your question there around how do you consume that and how does it work? Well, we try and break that down over regular time points throughout the day. So I encourage the athletes that when they're awake, every two to three hours, they will be consuming some form of protein to make sure that they're uh, having this protein pulsing through the day and so that that allows them to reach their total target over the course of the day. And, and what we educate the athletes on is essentially the three T's of nutrition. So that's uh, timing, which comes back to the protein pulsing every two to three hours. It's the total amount. So I'm advising the athletes to consume between 30 and 40 grams of protein every time. And then it's the type of protein. So where possible, if they're a meat eater and they're, you know, they're happy to have whey proteins, then that's the sort of protein that I'd be encouraging through the day from food and supplements. And then before bed, preferably I'd like a, a casein style protein, which is a slow release. And that will allow that absorption and digestion kind of through, through their sleep time. So the three T's of nutrition is, is something that we would encourage them to follow quite closely. So there's always discussion about like uh, the best timing for like uh, athletes to consume protein is probably after uh, a hard session of workout or a hard game match. I saw on your screen that there's a post discussing about like, should we be consuming before the warm up? or sorry, before the session or after the session? In terms of protein content? Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, this is where kind of to coin Lauren Bannock's term in, in terms of context, one of the things we have to think about is what what is the context of the training day and, and the situation? So if at the club that I work at, we we can provide breakfast to the players and then they go straight into a field session, then in my opinion, they don't need to have breakfast and then a shake and then the field because they would have had around 40 to 50 grams of protein at breakfast from food. So I'm quite happy that that amount of protein and the, and the requirement of protein has been ticked before the session. Um, and then following the session, if, if the lads are going straight into the gym, then we might encourage them to have a, a protein shake. So they're kind of recovering from the field session and then they've got a little bit of protein within the body before they're lifting weights. And then after that, we would go upstairs and we would have lunch. So again, we would be getting it from our food type anyway. So it kind of depends on what that day looks like. If you've got an individual that, for whatever reason, is not training until 1 p.m. in the afternoon and they've had a lay-in, then you know my encouragement would be to say, well, look, we need to have some protein now as a brunch. And then it probably would help you if you had a supplement or an extra protein intake before the training session. Otherwise you might struggle to reach that total amount over the course of the day because you've, you've kind of had a lay in and you've slept and you've missed that first window of opportunity to consume protein. So I don't think we need to be um, as uh, strict as the moment they drop a dumbbell, they must neck a shake. I don't think we need to be doing that anymore but there's just an awareness piece of trying to get in the total amount of protein over that course of the day is going to be key. So that's discussion for like protein. How about the role for carbo carbohydrate? Why is that? Why is this so important for like athlete to recover? 
Yeah, well, I think the hopefully the majority of nutritionists now working in sport, especially team sport and endurance sport, would agree that you know carbohydrate and and therefore skeletal muscle glycogen is is really the main driver for high intensity exercise and performance. Um, and what we know from some of the work that I've been part of at Liverpool John Moores University, where we've we've actually done muscle biopsy studies in professional rugby players. And, we, and we've looked at the impact of consuming a, a six gram per kilo carbohydrate load into the game versus a three gram per kilo carbohydrate load into the game. Uh, and what, we've, what we're finding is that those players that consume the lower ends, so the three gram per kilo of carbohydrate, tend to run out of skeletal muscle glycogen far quicker than the, the guys that had double the amount and the six gram per kilo. So what we're seeing in rugby is that there's a clear requirement for rugby players to utilise and use uh, muscle glycogen during match play. And, and if you go in at the lower end of three gram per kilo, then you might run the risk of maybe premature fatigue in that second half, which is exactly where we don't want to be fatiguing in match play. So carbohydrate is king for us in terms of team sport, allowing those players to really fuel up make sure they've got a, a maximal reservoir of skeletal muscle glycogen to go and perform um, and also then to recover. So we know that, you know, again, from some of the work that we've done at John Moores University, that if you can um, ensure your athletes have a, an, an immediate load of uh, carbohydrate in that first four hour window post game, then we're going to see a much better uptake of glycogen back into the muscle versus a delayed refe refeeding strategy. So the player that doesn't want to eat after the game because he doesn't want to, uh, goes to bed, doesn't have any carbohydrates and then wakes up in the morning, that player is going to be in a far worse position from skeletal muscle uh, resynthesis of glycogen. So, yeah, I think, look, from, from my point of view, glycogen is key. Uh, carbohydrate is key for these team sport athletes. Um, and it really does drive winning performances. So is there like, let's say, if like if they like eat like bread or like noodles, does that make any difference? Well, I think the the strategy that we would follow is encouraging the players on the day before a game to be consuming a, a mixed GI, a mixed glycemic index of carbohydrates. So enjoying the fact that you've got different options from low GI to high GI carbohydrates. And, and implementing that on that match day minus one. So that can be the difference of porridge oats in the morning to maybe white bread with a little bit of jam or honey before they go to bed to increase the carb content there. And, and then all of the different GI of carbs throughout the day. So there is a difference, kind of it does make a difference in terms of what you're consuming. But the day before, in, in my view, it should be a mixed GI of carbohydrates. And then there's an argument to say the day of the game, depending on what time that kickoff is, you might want to opt for higher GI carbohydrates to get that glycogen and the glucose in the blood and, and muscle respectively a little bit quicker. But, you know, remembering that the day of the game, really, that's all about topping up skeletal muscle glycogen a little bit, but but mainly topping up that liver glycogen that we may have used or lost overnight. So when it comes to like... Uh training session like speed training or like uh a heavy gym session is it yeah. kind of the same principle 
principle with like like you mentioned the day before and the day after probably it's like uh the meal before or the meal after is it is it the same principle yeah exactly that so what what you're talking about now is what we kind of look at in terms of nutritional periodization and and in particular carbohydrate periodization and fueling for the work required and then i take that a step further to to get my players to think about eating with intent so i'll give you a good example if if tomorrow me and you are going to meet in the morning at 10 a.m and we're going to go and do a conditioning session and the outcome of that conditioning session is that we want to improve body composition maybe drop a little bit of fat mass if we can but it's really not about hitting the high intensity um, outcomes that we want. Then there's an argument to say that me and you really should have a high protein, low carb breakfast because the purpose of that session, the intent of that session is that we're trying to drive a little bit of fat oxidation. The opposite of that is to say that if I'm in the gym and, and Pete's session is all about strength and power, then I would encourage my players to consume carbohydrates at breakfast because I know that Pete's doing a strength power session with you. And what he wants is you to be fueled and ready for that training session, not to be going into it, feeling tired, fatigued and without any energy in the body. So when we talk about nutrition and we look at the amount of times that performance nutrition can impact the player over the course of a single day and then over the course of a week and a month and a year, I, I genuinely believe the players that understand that are the ones that really go on and develop because they're using every meal as an opportunity to develop or change their body in whatever way they're trying to achieve, whether that's an increase in mitochondrial efficiency, whether that's an increase in skeletal muscle mass, whether that's a decrease in fat mass, or actually whether it's they're a little bit under the weather and they've got an opportunity to try and improve their immunity and their, their kind of immune function. So can you dive a little bit deeper into like the nutrition and periodization and the car carb periodization? Yeah. So, I mean, like, like I was saying there, if, if I've got uh, uh, players that are training in the morning and they've got a, a big strength um, lifting session in the morning and the rest of the day, they don't have anything training wise, then I would encourage them to have, a high carbohydrate, high protein breakfast so that they're getting that fuel in and they've got the protein in before they lift. They then do their strength and their big lifting session in the gym. And then I would probably encourage them to then have a moderate carbohydrate, high protein lunch so that they're kind of refueling a little bit and recovering from that session with a lot of protein, loads of salad, loads of vegetables. And then the mid-afternoon snack, in my opinion, should be high protein. And then in that evening period, if all they're doing is going home, putting their feet up and resting, then I think it should be a low to moderate carbohydrate meal. I don't think they need a high carb meal at seven o'clock at night when they're not doing anything, when they're relaxing. So they, they would opt for a low to moderate carbohydrate meal, lots of protein, loads of color, fruits and salads and vegetables. And then ideally a protein based option before they go to sleep. What I see too many times is that every single meal is carbohydrate heavy. And then what we result in is an individual that's over consuming carbohydrates. They're not using that energy and then they store it as fat mass. Cool. So, uh, 
So is there a, like, or how exactly do, like, carbohydrate work with protein? Is there, like, certain, like, ratio? How should they be taking per meal? Yeah, so the, the work from uh, Stu Phillips and, and his lab is um, looking at around 0.3 gram per kilo of protein per body mass. So let's keep it simple. If you've got a 100 kilo rugby player, then ideally they should be having servings of around 30 grams of protein. Now, we actually think that should probably be a bit higher with rugby players. So we encourage them to go at a, an amount or a ratio of 0.4 gram per kilo so about 40 grams for a 100 kilo rugby player per serving now the carbohydrate content is is broken down over the course of the day so if i'm saying that i want you to consume three gram per kilo over the course of the day and you're 100 kilo that's 300 grams of carbohydrate then it's about breaking that down over the different meals and being specific about what meal is going to be really high in carbohydrate and what meal is going to be low in carbohydrates, and that we're now periodizing that carbohydrate nutrition and really eating with intent with each specific meal and not just sitting down and eating the meal for no reason. There's a reason that you're eating that meal. Is it because you want to replenish glycogen into the muscle or is it because you want to stay low carb and you want lots of protein because you're about to go to bed? So... Since we're talking about like periodization, is in season nutrition and off season nutrition that if let's say if if it's the same player, is their nutrition strategy gonna change? A hundred percent it should. No no day is exactly the same. I'll, I'll give you a good analogy. So if you're gonna get in your car and drive 10 miles and your car is empty. You're only going to put a little bit of petrol in the car because you're only going 10 miles. But if you're going to get in your car and your car's empty and you're traveling 250 miles, you need to probably put a full tank of petrol in your car because you've got two different journeys. You've got two different demands on the car in that particular situation. And it, what you've just highlighted there is a perfect example of where you have an athlete with different demands placed on the body. If we've got an athlete that is in season and they're training four times a week, and they're playing one game a week, then that individual needs to periodize their carbohydrates day-to-day, meal-to-meal, in line with when that game is. If you've got an athlete in their off-season, and they're about to go to Las Vegas and have a week's holiday, in my opinion, they don't need the same amount of carbohydrates that they do when they're in-season as a professional athlete. And if they're going to sit down, they're going to be on the sun lounger, they're going to rest and relax... If they want to stay on top of body composition, then they cannot consume the same amount of carbohydrate that they do when they're in season prepping and playing for for match play. Of course, they still want to consume carbohydrates, but they need to be smart and specific about how much do I need to consume considering the different demands of my day. And we know this from the research. There's, there's lots of studies now that are looking at the energy expenditure of professional athletes from Everton Academy players to the rugby players that I've worked with. I did a recent study with the England uh, women's football team, the Lionesses, and looked at their energy expenditure. And we're, we're beginning to understand now that different days result in the different amount of energy expenditure experienced. And so 
there really shouldn't be two days that are, are the same over the course of a seven-day window. Cool. So I, I, I know the next one is going to be a little bit hard, but can you like give us an example, like exactly like how many grams of like protein and carbohydrates should they be taking during the off season and how many grams of like uh, carbohydrate and protein should they be, let's say, consuming on a gaming day? And it's going to be difficult. Sorry. Yeah, so so we'll keep it simple. On a on a match day minus one, the day before a game, for me, rugby players and football players or soccer players should be consuming minimum of six gram per kilo of carbohydrate, maybe up to eight gram per kilo of carbohydrate in that 24, 36 hours leading into the game. Now, there's going to be quite a substantial amount of calories there coming from carbohydrate. And so the focus really shouldn't be on protein on the day before a game. It should be all on carbs. So you might drop protein intake down to 1.2 gram per kilo or maybe 1.5. And then normally you find that fat seems to hover around one gram per kilo. But we should have a real big dominance on carbohydrates, a little bit of protein and then a smaller amount of fat. Now, in the off season, if they're if it's not the day before a game and all they're doing today is going to the park with their daughter and they're going to go for a coffee with their wife, then in my opinion, they should reframe that and they should pull carbohydrate down maybe to one or two gram per kilos or two and a half gram per kilos of, of carbohydrate. And then they should ramp up the protein content to make sure that they're still eating a good amount of calories that day. But now, now we're starting to get a lot more of those calories from protein content to look after the muscle mass and not have an over-reliance on carbohydrates. So it's a real sliding scale. And the way that I like to share, or the way that I think about it with the athletes I work with is, you're, it's almost like a DJ on the decks. So we've kind of got bass and we've got acoustic. And the DJ has to slide that depending on what the music is. So my athlete looking at his day, he needs to say, right, well, on this day, I need more carbohydrate and less protein. And that's how I'm going to play my music that day. That's how I'm going to do my nutrition strategy. But on Tuesday, it's the day before a game. So I need more carbohydrate and I need less protein. And that's how I'm going to play the music that day. And, and that's how I kind of try and get them to think about it. That it's a sliding scale that changes every single day. Cool. So you mentioned the match, match day, the game. Yeah, the match minus one day, right? The game yeah. day before. So what about the game day and the game day after? Yeah, so on game day, um, my advice would be to, to be consuming between one to three gram per kilo of carbohydrate. And what I'm beginning to learn from the athletes is that um, more athletes are beginning to lean towards consuming that carbohydrate from liquid. So they don't like to feel too heavy going into the game. And they'd, uh, they'd prefer actually to maybe drink their carbohydrate so that they can get it in through fluids, which is absolutely fine because there's plenty of ways to do that. So it may, you have to make sure that the day before is done correct. And then depending on when your kickoff is, you can kind of, again, consume between that one to three gram per kilo of carbohydrate and, and play around with the fact that you can get that from liquid food as well and, and, and liquid carbohydrates. Now, once the game's finished, 
again, depending on when that kickoff or, and the end of the game is, you then have uh, either a large window of opportunity to recover or a small window of opportunity, depending on the end of the game and, and kind of how close that is to bedtime. But in any sense, in that recovery window post-game, I would be encouraging the athletes to consume one gram per kilo of carbohydrate for the first four hours after that match. So if you're a 100 kilo rugby player, ideally we want 100 grams of carbohydrates every hour for the first four hours, which is 400 grams. That's going to help with that muscle glycogen replenishment. And we know from literature that if we add creatine into that recovery shake, then we're going to get that glycogen back into the muscle a little bit quicker as well. And protein content, again, I'd be encouraging the athlete to consume a recovery protein shake or food as quick as we can, and then following that protein pulsing before they go to bed and, and almost a non-negotiable that there's a protein-based option before they go to sleep. On the recovery day, um, this is where it's a, it can change a lot for athletes depending whether they've laid in, what time they're waking up in the morning. But kind of a non-negotiable that we're following at the moment is that they eat like a king on that recovery day. That that breakfast meal should be a really good carb-dense, high-protein-dense meal with lots of calories and ideally lots of foods from the polyphenol family and, and antioxidants to help with that muscle recovery. Great. So uh, besides like protein and uh carbohydrate is there like any supplement we should probably be noticing yeah in, in my landscape right now with with rugby players i think to help them consume their total amount of protein over the course of the day it's it's whey protein it's casein protein um but you know following food first and trying to get it in but not food only um creatine is a is a wonderful supplement with kind of a plethora of research behind it. So again, a creatine supplement at three to five grams per day would be ideal for a rugby player. And then I think you've got things like in the winter months here now in the Northern Hemisphere, stuff like vitamin D3, which is going to be important for that um, immunity health as they go through the winter months. So, you know, for me, they would be three that I would encourage any rugby player or any team sport athlete to be consuming all which have got really good robust research behind it cool last question before there you go okay yeah so uh i know i noticed that there's probably some athletes like to drink like sports drinks right so do you or your organization like use sports drink with your athlete yeah, we, we do. Um, we use sports drinks on uh, definitely on a match day, sometimes on a match day minus one. Um, and the reason we use it on a match day is it, it, it provides a, an opportunity for the player to consume 30 to 50 grams of carbohydrates um, leading or before the game. And, and also during the game, they can then top up on that carbohydrate content. And Certainly in the, although it's not hot now, but in, in the hot weather, then it, it provides an opportunity for that player to increase their fluid intake. Um, and normally the majority of these drinks also contain electrolytes and some key salts that will support a little bit of hydration as well. So if I want to make my own like sport drink, is 
how can I like yeah how can I make my own sports drinks yeah I mean there's different ways you could do it really um if you were to get a glass of water with some cordial some you know ribena orange squash whatever it might be and and adding a little bit of salt into that um into that drink you know not an amazing amount of salt but just a couple of kind of pinches of salt in there and uh you won't be far off a a, a small sports drink there now you're not going to have the carbohydrate content of these uh sports drinks that are manufactured but you would have a carbohydrate content within there it, it wouldn't be anywhere near to the other drinks but that that could be your own little sports drink or if the uh, reason for creating your own sports drink is because you want the carbohydrate content, then you could consider something like a glass of apple juice, orange juice, or a chocolate flavored milk, which would have 30 grams of carbohydrates in it. No problem. Cool. that's kind of all the question I have for today. So no. if there's like coaches, therapists, or like athletes are interested in what we are talking about today, where can they reach out to you? Yeah, so I'm on uh, Instagram at Morehen Performance. Um, I'm also on LinkedIn, so people can search my name, James Morehen, and uh, also on Twitter as well. And I've got my own website and yeah, a quick Google search, and I think people would would pick me up. Um, and happy to chat and yeah, reach out to anyone. So where can they find your mentorship? Yeah, the mentorship. I can share you a link, and by all means, you could put that out, but. If they were just to Google uh, Morehen Performance Mentorship, that, that would come up. Um, and we've got a great cohort of students going through that now, which is really fun and interesting. Um, and then I've also got my book that I published on Amazon uh, about 18 months ago, The Performance Nutritionist. So people want to learn around how 10 other practitioners have gone through their own career, what they've done, what they've learned, and how they got their job. Then uh, that would be a really good read for anyone that's interested in learning about how other nutritionists have, have uh, navigated their own career. Cool, man. Appreciate it. No problems at all. Thanks for the invite. No worries.